Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. So, Diana, I'm excited to welcome our listeners to our very first introductory podcast. Our intent here today is to share a little bit about who we are and why we're doing this. So I'd love to start, Diana, with sharing a little bit about us. I'll go first, if that's okay. So I, Joy, am a personal and professional development coach. I'm a Midwestern gal, born and raised in Wisconsin. And I'm a mother of three kiddos, one of which is transgender. I have a set of twins and one younger child. And I am super excited about continuing on my own personal learning journey and supporting everyone else who might be listening to garner a a bit of wisdom or personal insight that might help them on their life journey. Can you tell me a little bit about about you, Diana? Absolutely. So I am a physician, currently does not practice. I am the parent of four children, all who live at home. And I am from one of the states that does not have a non-discrimination clause that protects gender identity. And that's important to me because one of my children is of trans experience. Mm. Thank you. And I thought a good way for us to talk about what we're doing here today is just to provide some context around this podcast. So I was thrilled when you asked me to engage with you on this journey, but I'm kind of curious and would love to have you share what made you interested in starting a podcast. So I've been helping families for a few years that when they first learn about their children being of trans experience or exploring gender, having some gender diversity. And I have had the great fortune of helping and giving advice and sharing my own experience from navigating schools to navigating the doctor's office. And I wanted a way to share some of those thoughts and ideas to help other families out because I know that when I became aware that my child was transgender, I had a hard time finding resources. And a lot of them were very clinical. And I needed to know the day-to-day, what is life like? How do I handle everything from publicity to bathing suits? Mm. So I thought this would be a good way to share some of the thoughts that have driven our decision-making to help other families make their own decisions. Yeah. And I am curious, what made you agree to join me in this adventure? (laughs) Well, I have been so thankful for um, not only your friendship, but your leadership in learning about this journey and trying to figure out how to navigate in this space of being a parent of a transgender child. 
you know, what occurred to me as we started to talk is this why now kind of question, because I think both you and I have been on this journey for more than five years. And I think that in the midst of our current environment, which as people may recall, we are in the midst of the pandemic. And we're also in the US experiencing heightened concerns and focus on social justice. And for me, this experience of parenting a child who doesn't fit into the majority experience and who may be a bit of an outlier and who faces risks of, well, every child faces risks of being different, but who honestly, I, I fear for my child's well-being and I continue to just have huge opportunities to learn about how to continue to support my child. So I, I'm excited to be joining you in this venture because I know people can benefit in learning, perhaps moving up the, the learning curve faster than we did, <laughs> but also, you know, sharing insights to grow compassion in our world. I think that that's really important right now. Absolutely. And I would say those differences, as you mentioned, all children have differences. However, what's unique about the difference of being transgender is it's very misunderstood. Mm. We have lived for years, even in the medical community, of equating anatomy to gender. And so that makes it harder for people to understand that that is actually not the case and to understand that our children are who they say they are regardless of what their body may appear as. Mm. I think that that's really, really powerful, Diana. And I think that that learning, that nugget you just shared, which is that science and the medical community really do believe this concept of gender as unique and separate from sex and the genitalia that a child visibly illustrates upon birth, you know, that in that instance, a physician or whoever is supporting a mother um, and child during that labor and delivery makes a decision at that point in time, right, to assign a gender. And I think we've only recently come to learn that that's a really small small-minded or short-sighted approach to understanding gender. And I think it took me a lot of energy to try to learn what that means and what this concept is of being transgender, which I will never understand because I'm not transgender, but trying to support my child who is. Right. And I think that's an important point you make in this podcast. We have no hopes to speak of what it's like to be transgender because we can't, we don't have that experience However, we have been given a unique role with children that transitioned at a young age that the responsibility has been put on our shoulders to navigate the adult world, whether that's school or teachers or families, to protect their innocence, yet teach them to use their voice. And so I think that is more my goal here 
And to give advice, I don't want to be an expert as a psychologist. I think there are other people that can speak to that. I'm not that. I will say that it did make me look about how we assign children at birth. Once I learned, I did not learn this through medical school. And the funny thing is in the medical community, there is a challenge to the idea before now of anatomy not equaling gender because there are individuals who are born what we call intersex, not fitting into one or the other. And especially those with what we call ambiguous genitalia or something that is not clearly a penis or a clitoris that we still assign something to. So there are examples where anatomy, in this case, did not equal gender, mm-hmm. but a team of healthcare providers and parents made a decision that was mm-hmm. not congruent with the anatomy. Mm-hmm. But that's all the medical stuff I care to speak. Now back to the parenting stuff. Sure, sure. Well, I think that we're blessed to have, you know, your expertise and context in in that space, um, Diana. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, so back to the parenting stuff. Okay, so I think the other key thing we had planned on talking about was sharing a little bit about the language we might use in terms of how we reference our children. Right. Um, Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure what the right question is to ask you about that. You made a keen observation when we weren't recording that I always refer to my child as he and with his name and that I never use his birth name, even if I'm talking about him prior to transition when that Mm -hmm. name was used. And the how come I do that is because I believe my son has always been my son. We just did not recognize it. So even if I'm talking about him prior to transition, he was identifying as a boy then. He was a boy then. So I feel like that, that's what feels right to me and our family, and it respects who he is and who he always has been. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing you shared with me, though, Diana, was, you know, when did that become kind of normal for you? Or when did that feel right? I don't know. I don't remember because it was such a gradual process. Mm. Say at the beginning, I would look at my son and I would still see the girl that I thought he was the one that I had dreamed about growing up to some degree. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a, and don't have a lot of dreams for my kids in the sense of who they will be, who they are, but there's some that creep in there anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point where the mind's eye changes, so how I see him, so pronouns aren't even thought about any, like I don't have to focus on, what am I about to say? Am I about to use the correct pronoun? Because it comes out Mm. naturally. I don't know when that occurred, but I can tell you it's on the measure of years and not days or weeks or months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My experience was similar. I, I, I laugh because I still remember, 
you know, our process of learning and making the decision to support my child. And I know we'll dive into some of that context in a future podcast, but really struggling with the change of language, right? So using the pronouns to reflect the child in front of me and the identity that you very eloquently kind of shared was obviously with them all along, but that we had misassigned or, you know, had other conceptions of and going through that process of relearning how to use different language for my child, a new name and pronouns. So my child was born and assigned male at birth. I thought I was the mom of three boys and you know, discovered around the age of five that one of my children did not understand themselves that way. <laughs> and so as we went through that process of learning, transitioning to the new name and the pronouns of she and her, similarly was definitely a month-long process to, for that to become normalized. And I remember even this concept of a dead name, that language was new for me. And this concept of the name we had given my child at birth, you know, became their dead name because that name actually was like an emotional trigger for my child. It didn't reflect who they were. And again, that's, I think one of these things that those of us who don't have a transgender experience will probably never understand, but really switching to that to the correct pronouns and to the new name did take a long time. And I felt like throughout that process, everybody must like know what's going on. And, and I felt the need to kind of like verbalize it to everybody that, and I actually remember you providing really insightful and helpful guidance to say that nobody else has any idea. They don't need to know the context and the history. <laughs> you're going through this huge change yourself personally. And so you think you have to tell the story to everybody, but they don't know. And honestly, they don't really care. So just start sort of here you are now. Your child is this now and forward. And nobody needs to know kind of the whole context and history and journey you've been through. And I just remember this being, you know, a huge shift, not only for my child, but for me. And, and I don't want to, you know, this isn't about, me, but I think it does impact a parent in terms of their identity, right? As I mentioned, I thought I was the mother of four of three boys, and all of a sudden, I'd understand myself differently, and that takes time. Absolutely. I'm not trying to say that this was easy at the beginning. We hopefully will dive into names in another podcast. However, I will say it took a long time and we chose that name carefully. The birth name or dead name as it's now called. So it took time and the pronouns took time and I have lots of advice about that. And I remember somebody telling me it was actually a grandparent to a transgender child. She told me, there will come a day, Diana, that you will not be thinking about the fact that your child is transgender. And I thought that was the craziest thing I'd ever heard because that's all I could think about all day, every day at the beginning. 
I think I remember after a couple of weeks being like, hasn't changed, <laughs> but eventually it did. So I don't want to pretend like that was not a challenge. It's where mm-hmm. I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that we are both feeling very strongly that, that our experience and the comfort level that we have now and supporting our kids and knowing who they are and having moved through this journey is something that we're excited to be sharing with folks, but wanted to acknowledge and recognize that it is in fact a journey. And so if anybody out there listening is on the earlier side of this, <laughs> you know, have patience and compassion for yourself along that journey. Great advice. I'm hoping more than anything, we can just help parents get to that place of acceptance and love within their family for everybody's unique diversity within. Yes. Thank you. That's beautiful, Anna. Um, Okay. Awesome. Well, I think, is there any, are there any other final closing thoughts we want to share with our audience today? Not offhand. Okay. Well, again, I would love to thank you, our listeners for being here and joining us. And we look forward to talking with you again soon. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.